Hello and welcome to the Locked On Boston Bruins podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. I'm your host, Ian McLaren, and this is a daily Boston Bruins podcast where we discuss all things spoke to be, as well as take a look around the NHL. To keep up with the Locked On Boston Bruins podcast, please follow the show on Twitter at LO underscore Boston Bruins. And you can also find me at Ian C. McLaren. Please subscribe to Locked On Boston Bruins wherever you get your podcasts, whether it be Apple, Google, Spotify, Stitcher, Pocket Casts. Uh, please also take some time to rate and review if your app allows. And also tell one of your Bruins-loving friends today about the podcast. Uh, word of mouth is also a great way to get the show out there. Uh, today is episode 46. It's Monday, December 2nd. Uh, on the show today, we'll recap last night's win over the Montreal Canadiens, as well as uh, the Atlantic Division Power Rankings for another week. And finally, just uh, catch up with some news and notes from around uh, the NHL. Before we get too deep, let me just talk to you for a moment about DoorDash. I encourage you today to treat yourself to the meal you deserve and have your favorite restaurants come to you with DoorDash. Right now, our listeners can get $5 off their first order of $15 or more when you download the DoorDash app and enter promo code LOCKEDON. If you can't visit DoorDash right now, find this and all other offers from LOCKEDON sponsors at LOCKEDONPODCASTS.COM slash offers. I mentioned that today is December 2nd, meaning yesterday was December 1st, which just so happens to be uh, my birthday, and it was a, a, a great day. I appreciate all those who reached out on Twitter or Facebook to wish me a happy birthday. I spent the morning at the rink uh, with my son, who was playing a uh, tournament game, uh, the Holiday Scramble, they call it around here. Uh, he was playing defense and... Uh, very much look like a, a young Brandon Carlo out there. Um, came home and read a bit and enjoyed my birthday Starbucks drink. Watched a couple episodes of The Office before heading out with my wife for a gin tasting. A, a viewing of the Mr. Rogers movie with Tom Hanks, which I highly recommend. Uh, a great movie that had us both uh, wiping away tears at various points. Then we went out for some Indian food at uh, one of my favorite restaurants here in Guelph and came home, settled in to watch the Bruins take care of the Montreal Canadiens for the second time in less than a week. Victors in a 3-1 contest, uh, which started off a bit slow, as has been the case for this team the last few games, um, but uh, they picked it up in the third period, were able to score three unanswered goals, and uh, secure the win. Similar to the game on Friday against the Rangers, they were held scoreless uh, through the first two periods. Uh, but as this team has a tendency to do, they just seem to turn it on uh, when it matters most and uh, secure the win. Uh, I want to talk about David Backus here for a moment, but before that, we have to mention David Pasternak's uh, league-leading 25th goal of the season. If you missed the game or didn't see the highlights, I encourage you to seek out the video uh, right now. Uh, you had missed Pasternak skating down the right side of the ice, entering the Canadian zone, and just winding up for a clapper that went over uh, Carey Price's right side, off the post, and into the net. And 
Pasternak's celebration was quite epic. He stopped immediately in his tracks, looked at the crowd, put his hands out in a kind of uh, gladiator-esque, are-you-not-entertained vibe. And uh, quite frankly, it was maybe not, you know, the nicest goal style-wise, but I don't remember seeing a goal like that for quite some time. And it made quite an impact both on the score sheet, on the post, uh, on the Canadians who were kind of reeling after that point and allowed the Bruins to score a couple more goals on the crowd who rose to its feet to everyone on social media. Uh, this guy just continues to take his game to new levels and uh, it's just a joy to watch him uh, game in and game out. Uh, I mentioned David Backus. Uh, he said of that goal, He's playing a video game out there. I don't know what's wrong with that guy. It's so impressive to see. He's down the wing, full speed, putting it where he wants to, winding up off the post. I don't have words, and uh, many of us didn't have words. Uh, Pasternak is the first Bruin since Phil Esposito to be the first player in the league to hit 25 goals for a season. That was back in 1974, Um, and he's also hitting historic levels of scoring. Only seven players in NHL history have uh, reached 25 goals quicker than uh, Pasternak this season. That would be Mary Lemieux, who only required 22 games, as well as Cam Neely, actually, back in 93-94. Mary Lemieux did it again in 23 games. Brett Hall, 25 games. Yarmir Jagr, Kevin Stevens, and Pat Lafontaine did it in 26 games. And now Pasternak is tied with Yager and Wendell Clark for achieving uh, 25 goals in only 27 games. Uh, so very elite company that Pasternak finds himself in, and uh, he just continues to uh, seemingly score at will. Uh, so he scored the game-tying goal, and it was David Backus who scored the game-winning goal just a couple weeks after it was uncertain as to whether he would ever play again. Um, we all remember his, uh, collision with Ottawa Senators forward, Scott Sabrin back on November 2nd. Um, that is what he estimates to have been his 10th concussion over the course of his 14 year career. And he was really questioning whether he was going to be able to come back and play again. He went to see a out of state neurologist in the middle of November uh, but And he was given a clean bill of health. Uh, it was assured that he was not putting himself in danger by returning to the ice. That seems a bit questionable, as, you know, since he's susceptible to concussions at this point, there's always a risk when you step on the ice that uh, he could get hit in the head uh, once again and put his career, long-term health in question. But for now, he is been given a clean bill of health, and he was able to score the game-winning goal on the power play on Sunday, assuming the bumper position on the power play, receiving a uh, picture-perfect pass from David Krejci. And, uh, yeah, one-timing it past Carey Price. He said, scoring a goal in the NHL is cool. To have some adversity, to put hard work in, to be back in the lineup and have that opportunity to make good on it is really cool. To have that micro storyline. Two weeks ago, I wasn't even skating. I didn't know if I was done for my career to go through the steps I went through to get healthy, to have that moment was special. 
It was elation, he described it as. You don't understand how small the window crate she had to put the puck in. There's a guy above me and below me that I have to try to get off, and he puts it right where he needs to, and Jake DeBrusque got it in front, meaning Jake DeBrusque kind of was clearing out the front of the crease uh, and getting in Price's way to hinder him from making the save. I appreciate all those efforts, uh, he said, some of which don't get recognized as much, but those guys... uh, did a lot of the work first game back to back and have the go ahead with 10 minutes left. Get that opportunity on the power play. I appreciate all those opportunities. Krejci added, uh, it's an awesome group of guys to play with. What we were able to do last year to get to game seven of the final was no fluke because we genuinely care about each other. We're picking each other up or checking on each other when we're injured or not around the rink, which translates on the ice and what we're able to do. Quite a few guys have come up to me, and I think they're genuinely happy for my success, and that's not always the case in professional sports. We have an awesome group here. Um, I know myself, I I really think back to that Game 7 and the fact that he was scratched and how difficult that must have been for him. Uh, The opportunity to win a cup, playing against the only other team that he had played for. Um, You know, We make a lot about his contract and the fact that uh, he's kind of an overpaid underdog at this point, not really uh, worth the money that he's being paid, but all accounts, he he's a great guy off the ice, and the players really seem to have been, like you said, genuinely happy for him. Um, so it seems at this point, based on his health history, um, any production that the Bruins get out of him is a bonus, and I really hope that he's able to stay healthy um, for, you know, for his sake, for his family's sake, um, the Bruins sake is secondary to all that in my mind, but if he's able to remain healthy, uh, to take advantage of whatever ice time he gets on the power play, um, he's obviously not able to keep up with, um, younger, faster NHL right now, putting him on the third line with Corrali and Bjork seemed a bit odd to me, uh, seeing as those guys are more offensive minded, really high energy. Um, so it remains to be seen where he fits in this roster when everyone's healthy. Um, like I mentioned, he was as the bumper on Boston's second player play unit. Um, and it was effective in that he was able to score. Obviously um, he said, I don't know if that was lightning in a bottle or if I'll get another look there. Um Patrice Bergeron is best at that spot, so watching him take reps uh, has given him uh, the opportunity to learn and see what Bergeron does to get effective there. Um, So we'll see what Bacchus' role is once Bergeron's healthy, if Brett Ritchie is able to come back. Um, Yeah, it'll be interesting to see what Bacchus' role is long-term with this team. Uh, But... For one day, it was nice to see him in there, nice to see him contribute, have a smile on his face, have the guys behind him, and um, ultimately to get the win over the Canadians. There's nothing uh, to complain about there. The Bruins beat the Canadians twice in the last week, outscored them, what was it, 11-2. to So uh, very successful uh, stints against them, and the Bruins are now... In a tie for first overall with the Washington Capitals, 43 points. 
with the game in hand over the Capitals. They also have a goal differential of plus 34, which is uh, 12 better than Colorado. Um, and that brings us now to the uh, Atlantic Division Power Rankings. Let's take a look at where the Bruins stand in relation to their divisional foes uh, here on this first Monday of December. We'll start at the bottom as we do always and work our way up. The bottom, clearly the Detroit Red Wings. They have a record of 7-19-3 for 17 points, which is a league low. Five back of the New Jersey Devils. And they have a goal differential of minus 53, which is more than twice as bad as the Devils, who are at minus 25. So uh, the Red Wings just far and away the worst team in the NHL right now and uh, putting themselves in line for um, the best chance at getting the first overall pick, which looks like it'll be Alex Lafreniere, uh, who's very good and, uh, you know, yeah, just uh, seems like a lost season for... Steve Eiserman in his first um, go-around as general manager of the Red Wings. Coming in at number seven is the Ottawa Senators. They are 11-5-1, and 23 points, a 426 point percentage. Uh, they, too, have a negative goal differential of uh, minus 15, so not, not too, too bad. Senators are actually playing above expectations. They were expected to be... Um, more in line with what the Red Wings are doing right now. Uh, but still, um, yeah, other teams in the division are are pulling away or, you know, above 500. So Senators, clearly the seventh team in the Atlantic right now. Number six, I'm going to put the uh, Montreal Canadiens. They have lost now, uh, what, uh, well, one in regulation. They're two, five, and three in their last 10. Uh, really struggling after losing Jonathan Drouet and uh, Paul Byron. Uh, Carey Price has not looked good as of late. And the Canadians, uh, you know, they're only three points behind Florida for second in the Atlantic, but they really seem to be on the downswing. They're at minus seven goal differential right now. And uh, yeah, really seem to be taking a tumble and, uh, questions about whether or not uh, Claude Julien is safe, whether Mark Bergevin is safe in their roles with the team. Um, they do have some cap space if they want to look to add somebody. Uh, Taylor Hall seems available, as we'll mention here in a moment. But as of right now, the uh, Canadians are really reeling and uh, falling in our Atlantic Division power rankings. And uh, that's why I'm putting them in sixth right now. The five spot, I'm going to put the um, it's really tight between Buffalo and Toronto, uh, to be honest. Uh, I'm going to put the, uh, let's see, what should we do here? I'll put the Sabres in the, uh, fifth spot, I guess. They played the Maple Leafs in a, a home and home over the weekend. The Buffalo Sabres did take three points of four from the Maple Leafs, uh, but, the Leafs under Sheldon Keefe do seem like a different team than they were at the beginning of the season and are 
very much trending upwards. So I'll give them the benefit of the doubt this week and put them in uh, fourth. The Sabres in fifth. Sabres are currently outside of the playoff picture, uh, three points out of a wild card spot, but also one point, just one point behind the Maple Leafs for um, third in the Atlantic with a game in hand. Uh, so I'll give them the uh, the benefit of the doubt. Like I said, the Maple Leafs put them in fourth, um, much improved under Sheldon Keefe. Still some questions about backup goaltending, defense, uh, but ultimately I think the Leafs will be a playoff team while I'm not so sure about the Sabres. Uh, the number three team, I'm going to put the Lightning in that spot. They're 12-9-3, 27 points. Uh, so points-wise, they're actually... Um, Outside of the playoff picture, three back of the Maple Leafs, uh, but they do have four games in hand. So point percentage-wise, they do sit third in the Atlantic at 563. Uh, their uh, goal differential is at plus nine, which is better than both Buffalo, who's at minus four, and Toronto, who's at plus one. It's also better than Florida, who's only at plus one as well. Um, but I'm going to put the Tampa Bay Lightning in third, Again, by virtue of their point percentage and the fact that they have these games in hand on the opposition. Uh, three games in hand on Boston, two on Florida, who are both ahead of them. Um, and with those two games in hand, they could actually catch Florida for second in the Atlantic. Um, again, this team look like absolute world beaters at this time last year. Uh, they're still figuring things out heading into this season uh, after the loss to the Columbus in the playoffs. Uh, but in the at the end of the day, I believe they're a top three team in the Atlantic, and it looks like um, they, uh, yeah, are on the rise uh, as well. I'm going to put Florida in number two, 13, 8, and 5 for 31 points. Second in points in the Atlantic, second in terms of uh, point percentage. Issues remain in net as uh, Sergei Bobrovsky was actually benched in favor of Chris Dreger, who recorded a shutout in his, uh, what I believe, I don't know if it was in his NHL debut, but he recorded a shutout uh, the other night in his first win uh, of the season. So whether or not that's a long-term solution, I highly doubt. They will need to turn to Bobrovsky at some point as, you know, the um, $10 million man that they have. If he's able to figure it out, this team as I've been saying, could go on a pretty good run. Uh, if not, then there certainly will be some questions about um, whether they'll be able to hold on to a playoff spot or not. Uh, right now, I really feel it's uh, going to be a battle between Florida, Toronto, and Tampa Bay. Those three teams seem to be equally um, matched and uh, some question marks up and down the lineup. Um defensively for all those teams uh, some questions in net um, so it's going to be a, a battle between those three teams I believe as to who will be finish uh, second third and fourth uh, with the Bruins standing out right now as the clear top team in the Atlantic they're 19 three and five I mentioned they have the most points in the NHL tied with the Capitals at 43 with the game in hand uh, point percentage-wise, they are um, number one in the NHL at 796. They have the highest uh, goal differential at plus 34. Um, second to most goals per game, 
just behind the Colorado Avalanche. And they're also uh, number one in goals allowed per game at 2.26. They have the second best power play in the league. Penalty kill, they're seventh. And uh, so just, you know, all facets of the game, they're really uh, clicking right now, which is amazing considering the injury issues they've had. Uh, Krug's been out of the lineup. Krejci's been out of the lineup. Bergeron's out of the lineup right now. Um, So really... Uh, strong performance from the Bruins so far. Guys stepping up, stepping into the lineup, and uh, able to help carry the load. Um, the goaltending has been sensational for this team. That is one of the big reasons why they have the second highest PDO at 103.7. Uh, but as I've been saying, because of the one two punch that they have in net, um, that number should be higher than average. Um, Corsi-wise, they're at 50% and even 50. Uh, XG, which is expected goals, kind of measuring shot quality, they're uh, 48.8. So those possession numbers, a bit questionable for the Bruins, but um, they have the talent to uh, just kind of score at will, it seems. And... um, the goaltending is going to keep them in game in and game out. Uh, so they're well positioned this season for sustained success. There's questions next year as to whether Tory Krug will be able to come back with his contract if they're able to retain Yaroslav Halak. But um, for right now, they remain uh, one of the best teams, if not the best team in the NHL. And it uh, seems like they could be able to go on a deep run again. Uh, this year. So all things clicking well for the Bruins. Uh, it's still early ish December. Now uh, we're more than a quarter of the way into the season. Uh, so anything can happen. Injuries could come up. Uh, obviously if Pasternak gets hurt, that will be a huge blow. If Marchand is out for any length of time, if one of the goalies goes out, but as it stands right now, even with Bergeron, out of the lineup and kind of uh, banged up um, seemingly more long-term, not long-term, but more serious than we would have liked. It's more of a load management thing. Uh, But Krejci able to step up in that position is a luxury as well. Um, So yeah, everything going as well as could be hoped for, for this Bruins team uh, at this point in the season. Now some news and notes from around the NHL. Uh, on Sunday, Leon Dreisaitl and Connor McDavid both um, hit the 50-point mark for the Edmonton Oilers. Uh, McDavid leads the NHL in scoring with 51 points through 29 games, averaging 1.76 points per game. Dreisaitl has an even 50 uh, for 1.72 point per game average. Obviously, uh, very impressive that both teammates were able to reach that mark so early in uh, the season. And uh, let me just look at where that ranks them in terms of historical. There's only a handful of players who have reached uh, the 50-point mark in 29 games or less over the past 25 years. That would be Mario Lemieux, Yarmir Yager, Sidney Crosby, Peter Forsberg, and Ron Francis, and now McDavid and... 
Um, Dreisaitl did it in 50, in, sorry, in 29 games, and Peter Forsberg did it in 29 games as well. So, uh, like Pasternak earlier, these two guys are in very rare air, and uh, just an incredibly impressive start for them. Marchand at 43 points. Pasternak is tied with Nathan McKinnon at 42 points to round out the top five in scoring. So um, the Oilers, very much a two-man team right now. And those two guys have led them to the uh, top of the Pacific Division. Um, So yeah, just ridiculous um, production for them to date. Speaking of the Oilers, uh, Jesse Pugliarvi, Along with Stars defenseman Julius Honka, they're both ineligible to play the remainder of the season. Uh, they are both restricted free agents, and they were unsigned by yesterday's 5 p.m. deadline. Um, so both guys will continue to play in uh, Europe and see if they'll be able to come back uh, next season with new contracts, perhaps with different teams. Um, over the weekend, Pierre Lebrun said that the New Jersey Devils are listening to offers on Taylor Hall, who's ex- who will become an unrestricted free agent next summer. Um, he speculates the Avalanche, Canadians, perhaps even the Oilers could be among several teams with interest in Hall. He also wondered if the Flames, Sharks, or Bruins could come calling. Uh, the Bruins don't really have a huge need at left wing, but if you have an opportunity to add Taylor Hall, uh, when you have a clear open window at the Stanley Cup, it's definitely worth considering. Although the price tag is probably going to be a couple high draft picks and uh, prospects, so may not be worth it for the Bruins to um, explore that route. Um, Sweeney does have a history of swinging at the deadline, going in, all in on Rick Nash a couple years ago. Johansson and Coyle last year, um, but um, probably not something that he would pursue, I would think. I mentioned the Canadians earlier. Uh, Eric Engels of Sportsnet wonders what Mark Bergevin will do to address the issue. Uh, Perhaps an impact trade. Replacing Claude Julien could be another option. Um, So those are two storylines in the Eastern Conference to... Uh, watch out for um, the Bill Peters situation was resolved, as I mentioned, but uh, there's still some news um, with regards to that story uh, in terms of uh, Ron Francis's role in handling the uh, issue in Carolina where Peters was um, said to have uh, physically abused some players on the bench. Um, Jeff Baker of the Seattle Times, he's reporting that um, there's a cloud over the Seattle expansion franchise as Francis gets scrutinized for his handling of the Peters situation. Uh, again, Peters was accused of kicking former Hurricanes defension, defension? defenseman McCall Jordan in the back, punching a second player who's been yet unnamed in the head during a game. Francis issued a statement on Saturday, uh, said that he dealt with Peters internally and the abuse never occurred. He also said he briefed ownership about it, uh, which contradicted uh, former Carolina owner Peter Carmanos, who told the Seattle Times last week 
that he was not made aware and would have fired Peters in a nanosecond if he had heard. Uh, adding to the confusion, the NHL appears to have stepped into the mix. Uh, the statement that Francis made was via uh, the NHL PR's Twitter account. Asked by a text about the discrepancy between his interview and Francis's saying ownership was briefed about the alleged abuse, Carmanos responded to uh, the Seattle Times Sunday. Uh, he s- applauded the spectacular job Francis did with the Hurricanes, adding he'll do the same as NHL Seattle's GM. He added Francis's communication skills might be lacking, but he and his team took immediate and effective action to address Coach Peters. Uh, Jeff Baker of the Times says we can debate whether Carmanos was or wasn't told and whether should have been more aware, uh, but that doesn't change Francis giving Peters an endorsement of his coaching style by extending his contract after the fact. Uh, it makes you wonder whether Carmanos has been told to dial back uh, because of some legal ramifications, kind of taking a more PR-friendly stance, um, but uh, kind of definitely backtracking from his earlier stance on um, the issue. There's still questions about why he gave Peters an extension after the fact. Uh, Mike Babcock, as we all know, was fired by the Maple Leafs and some uh, emotional abuse tactics came to light. Uh, Peters has now uh, been removed from his position because of uh, racism uh, against Akeem Alou back when he was a coach of the um, Rockford Icehogs. Uh, he will likely not get another job anytime soon. There's questions whether Babcock will get a job because of fan pressure anytime soon. Um, Baker adds, Francis had nothing to do with the racism part, only handling the physical abuse by Peters. Uh, you can argue Francis probably learned from his experience as a first-time GM in Carolina um, and he might not revert to the long and ingrained protocol of teams keeping things in-house. Uh, Baker adds, you can argue that he's working to build an inclusive team in Seattle with various hires. Um, and it would take pretty serious fan backlash for NHL Seattle to jettison him. Um, but um, there are certainly some question marks in my mind, in the mind of others, about uh, how he handled the Peter situation and whether or not he deserves to continue um, with Seattle, although it, it really seems like he will remain in that position uh, for the time being, unless there's uh, some severe backlash or more information comes to light about how that was handled. Um, if you missed Hockey Night in Canada or if you're in the States and weren't able to see the panel conversation that they held in terms of racism and abuse in hockey, I would uh, suggest you check that out. Uh, continue to follow Dan Carcillo. He's always updating the situation, bringing new issues to light, and I really admire the work that he's doing there. That's today's podcast. Uh, this has been the Locked On Boston Bruins podcast. We're part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Thank you again for taking some time to listen. If you have any questions or feedback, you can hit the show at LO underscore Boston Bruins. Please follow along there. You can find me at ENC McLaren. We're here every day talking about the Boston Bruins. We'll be back tomorrow to preview uh, Tuesday's game against the uh, Carolina Hurricanes, I believe, which is a uh, uh, rematch of last year's conference finals. 
which the Bruins uh, won in four games. Uh, yeah, so hope you all have a great day. We'll talk to you again tomorrow. Uh, take care, friends, and have a good one.